This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Welcome back to the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. I am your host, Walt, and I am joined by my big buck slaying, turkey shooting, big bass catching co-host, Chase. Dude, we are sitting about 70 days from the beginning of Georgia deer season. We're talking deer hunting. Are you as fired up as I am? I am fired up. I'm not fired up for Georgia deer season because I'm not going to be there in 70 days. But in Florida, it's fixing to start in less than 70 days, buddy. We just got off the phone with the, the Swamp and Stomp boys, and they mentioned that they would be hunting in about 30 days. So get you yeah. some of that. How about it, man? How about it? Those, them jokers get to kick their season off uh, early August, right? Yep, early August is what they said. They said some areas kind of start, uh, I think, end of July down there. Uh, some of the management areas, but kind of where they were at, it sounded like early August they were going to be uh, in the woods after some whitetail. That's nuts, man. I am envious. The good news is they've invited us to come down and hunt with them in the future. So next year maybe we're going to do like a, a, a Florida tour and uh, just bounce around chasing whitetails in every every uh, county or zone, rather, yeah. not every county. <laughs> yeah, we, we've talked about that. Uh, now we actually have a little connection down there, and they seemed uh, like great guys and were all about us coming down there and getting some of that uh, South Florida experience. So it, it may be worth going down there and just seeing what it's like. Uh, I mean, we're in Florida, but we're, we're a lot, you and I are a lot closer to other states than we are South Florida. I mean, I can get to Georgia. I can get to uh, Alabama. I could probably get to South Carolina faster than I can get down to Miami from where I'm at. Six Dude, hours. I can, I can get to North Carolina quicker than I can get to uh, to Miami. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're even two and a half hours further than yeah. I am. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm closer to to Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, Tennessee, North Carolina, and South Carolina, and Georgia than I am Miami. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you give me eight, you give me seven hours on the road, I can be in any of those states, and I can be in New Orleans sipping on a cocktail in six. So, <laughs> right. That's oh true. man! So we kick this off. I'm excited because we said we were going to lean into Florida. We got a bunch of Florida listeners, and uh, it, it's been a good time, man. This this was a good episode. Finding people who are willing to talk about their success in this state is very difficult. Um, Mark and Danny were 
overly abundant. In fact, Mark had to reel Danny in because he kept uh, name dropping spots. So I've got you're going to hear some creative editing in <laughs> in parts of this. But uh, good guys, man, good guys. Yeah, they are good guys, and you can tell that they're both uh, super passionate about hunting. And that's yeah. kind of what we wanted to highlight is some guys from South Florida, super passionate about hunting, have a lot of success, and just, just highlight that area because I, I don't believe we've ever done that before. So I feel no. like it was a good way. And like I said, we're, we're kicking off into deer season in South Florida soon, and we're trying to uh, do a little highlight on the whole state of Florida. We got a whole slew of uh, Florida guests uh, coming on. So, so we're yeah. going to have a little uh, a Florida section here for, for the podcast. Yeah, and the good news is I don't think there's anybody who can listen to these episodes, whether you're from Florida or not. There are awesome nuggets of information that you can apply wherever you are, whether you're in the the lowlands of South Carolina, Louisiana, Mississippi. I mean, there's a lot of relatable content in these episodes, so don't write them off just because you hear Florida tactics. I guarantee you uh, these will translate to other places. You just may have to adjust some of the terminology. You know, might not be sawgrass, might be cattails or something like that, so... Um, these are good episodes, but, uh, man, you know, we've got actually a little bit of business we need to tend to. Uh, we've had some more Patreon members subscribe, and part of their benefits, if you're a, a, a Patreon subscriber, uh, depending on your tier, uh, there's a variety of, of, of ways we say thank you. One of those is a personalized shout-out on the podcast, and, uh, boy, listen, I've got a list in front of me of people to say thank you. So let's see how tongue-tied I get going down this list. You ready? Do it. <laughs> Thomas Brown, Clayton Daniel, Lee Jack, Adam Cruz, Sam Sentman, Jacob Mayfield, Justin Dunn, and Travis. Thank you, gentlemen. I think all gentlemen. Am I correct? Yep. Thank you, gentlemen, for uh, for choosing to support this show. We really appreciate it. Um, we have seen a lot of growth this summer, both in downloads, on YouTube, and Patreon. And this, these funds go right towards the operation cost of these, uh, these podcasts. It allows us to buy new equipment. You're getting a camera soon. I mean, it's, it's going to be good. The future is bright and it's all due to the people like you who choose to support this show. So really appreciate, er you know, everybody who has signed up recently to help support us. It's huge. Yes, it is. Uh, I appreciate every one of them and we get to interact with a lot of them on our Marco Polo group. We've had uh, several new uh, members join the Marco Polo yeah. group, and they've got into it right away. We're already diving into all kinds of stuff, uh, archery-related, <laughs> so that's cool. Kind of gets me fired up more uh, for uh, hunting season. And uh, so, and we're also we're doing a giveaway, and those all those new members get, what, 10 additional entries into our yeah. uh, Tethered Phantom, right? Yep, yep, and we're going to do an, an episode drawing that winner here very shortly. It will not be this episode because i got to compile everybody and uh, draw the winner, but by the next time you hear us, next week's episode, we will have that winner for you. What do you think we go ahead and tell them what next quarter's giveaway is? Because we already know what that is. Yeah, we can uh, tease that. Okay, Let's do it. good deals. So if you recall, several weeks back we had – a guest on the show that had a revolutionary product. A uh, good friend of the of the show. He's been a follower and a supporter for a very long time, and he created a company that is revolutionizing something all of us use, and that's a climbing method. Now, you may be a little bit confused because we've grown a lot lately, but we had Timber Ninja Outdoors on. Jason Red, North Carolina dude. He has revolutionized how you climb a tree with carbon fiber tree sticks. I think, Chase, it's like 1.1, 1.2 pounds for their 20-inch double-step stick, which is just freaking outrageous. Um, he is 
gone through all of the TSA uh, safety testing. He's passed all of those with flying colors. He's getting his first shipment of sticks in. And I'm proud to announce that we're going to be giving a set of carbon fiber timber ninja climbing sticks next quarter uh, just in time, literally for deer season. So I am stupid excited about this. I I can't wait to get my hands on them in time for our teaching train event, which is coming up in in a couple weeks. And, uh, yeah, they're C1 carbon fiber sticks. That's what you guys are uh, in the running to win. Our way, again, of just saying thanks for for supporting the show. Right, and that's going to be exclusively for patrons. Correct. Correct. So you got a real good shot at winning those sticks. Yeah, yeah, you do. You know, if you're a, if you're a Patreon member, look at the number. Look how many are in there. This is an easy way to. I mean, this this will be the best raffle you've 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 done in a long time. So, uh, on top of that, at the end of this month, we're doing another hat order uh, because we've had growth and it's time. You know, we do those orders twice a year. So you're going to get hats. You're going to get some of these really cool stickers. Chase, I don't know if I even showed you these. I got these in the mail the other day. So I got a stack of fifty of these jokers. We're going to send these out to a bunch of people. Uh, Again, guys, just thanks. Every time one of you guys signs up, I just I can't believe it. So <laughs> I really appreciate it. I'm going to stop rambling now. <laughs> Probably a good thing. Well, let's let them get on to the show, guys. Thank you again for everything that you're doing. Before I let you go, Mark and Danny asked me to mention that they're doing a giveaway. So there's a link in the show notes. They're giving away a tree stand. Uh, the entry seems really simple. Comment on the YouTube video, subscribe on Instagram for extra entries. Click the link in the show notes, go over there, show them some love. Those are some great guys from South Florida who are just putting out some awesome relatable content. Yeah, they are that that tree stand uh, giveaway is I mean, I think it's like a $350 value or something. Yeah. So definitely yeah. uh, go check out their uh, Instagram page. I think you can find it uh, pretty easily. And I think they said they were giving it away at uh, the end of the month, just a yep. kickoff for their uh, deer season down there. All right. We are on the phone now with a couple of stone cold killers south of I-70. These guys are the kind of guys that you dream every day of being like. They do nothing but whack and stack whitetails in perhaps the hardest place of the country. I got Danny and Mark of Swamp and Stomp. Gentlemen, thank you for tuning in, and, and or not tuning in, but joining us. Yeah, thanks for having us, man. We uh, really appreciate you guys having us on the show. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate you guys taking time out of your your, your day. Danny, you driving four hours one way uphill the entire way uh, just, just to be here. <laughs> yeah man thanks for having us yeah yeah for sure you know we we said this summer that we were going to do a better job of talking florida whitetails florida hunting it's something that is uh heavily overlooked and i think uh you know i i spend my entire year watching instagram watching instagram hunters and and i find that you guys are among a few that throughout the season you just find success and today's topic is trying to Break down how you guys go about that because you do it so well. So uh, maybe before we dive into that, why don't you guys give everybody the elevator pitch of who Swamp and Stomp is? Sure. Um, I mean, at the the very simple version of it is, uh, you know, we, we started out as a YouTube channel. Um, but, you know, really, we're just two good buddies that love to hunt and uh at some point kind of decided that we, we just wanted to share our adventures with uh, the rest of the world. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are constantly asking, you know, what we do out there and figured it'd be a lot easier to show them with video than just telling the stories. So, yep. 
Um, you know, that's basically what Swamp and Stomp is. And, you know, it's constantly evolving. We're constantly uh, making new connections with other uh, entities. And a really exciting, you know, journey. And uh, it's just been really cool that, you know, people actually want to uh, watch what we're doing and, and listen to the things that we have to say. And, um, you know, we're going to continue doing it as long as people uh, are interested. Yeah, man. I, I think that's awesome. There's not a whole lot of um, quality content creators in the Deep South. You get into Florida, and I think the hunting gets difficult enough that a lot of people tend to stray away from toting a camera, yet you guys seem to persist in that manner and uh, have a good time doing it. So I guess first first off, I just want to say thanks for providing some quality Florida content, man. <laughs> Our pleasure. Yeah, we appreciate the kind words really yeah definitely a lot of work goes into it i mean we both share a similar passion for this hunting and we have a couple buddies at home with us um but definitely we uh we tend to really <laughs> go a little harder than most people yeah <laughs> we, we tend to be the glue in our little group so you know we we're usually pushing everybody to hunt, hunt a little bit harder so yeah um but yeah like you said it's just been awesome to you know find somebody that that's just as passionate as, as i am just so we you know, it's just kind of feed off each other. Time. Yeah, we really, <laughs> we really make each other worse. Just <laughs> <laughs> we just, yeah, we just love it. You know, and, and especially down here in the south, it's like it's uh, <clears throat> you gotta really love it because, like you're saying, it's it's really uh, hard to hunt down here. The conditions are incredibly hot, especially early season. You're sweating all day long. The bugs are terrible and. So, you know, if you don't love it, you're just not going to do it. You're going to probably drive up north or fly to another state and do it up there where it's generally more comfortable. <laughs> oh, that's that's yeah. so true. Yeah, we joke all the time about how we're maybe one day we'll make a trip down to zone A and get our season kicked off a little bit sooner. Because I think, do, does y'all season start around August 1st? Uh, just about, yeah, it, it depends. It kind of shifts around each year. But, uh, you know, if you wanted to go as far south as uh, Southern Glades Wildlife Management Area, I think it even starts at the very end of July. Um, but there's a few places, yeah, that open right at the beginning of August. So, I mean, it's it's right around the corner. Yeah, usually, you know, we're four weeks out. Usually about the areas open up around here. Yeah. You cut oh, out yeah. there for a second, Danny. What would you say? Yes, we have um, – Usually in the beginning of August is when uh, the most areas open down here. Yeah. Zone A. Well, there's a few, maybe like five or six areas. Nice. Yeah, we we, we keep saying we're going to come down there at some point, but we ha we don't have any connections down there yet. So uh, maybe uh, after this podcast, we can <laughs> we can plan a hunt down there at some point. <laughs> our our goal is to kill a buck in every zone in Florida, A, B, C, D, uh, in the same year. That would be. That that, that would be a, a yeah. awesome task for us, but we, we just get the zone A one just kind of throws me just because you're starting in August, yeah, and I know it's got to be a hundred degrees down there. I mean, shoot, when it starts in September, it's like ninety five up here. So, and I can only imagine the mosquito sizes and everything else down Pythons. there. Not to mention you're probably going to be hunting in sawgrass, so right, yeah. right, <laughs> depending where you go. So yeah, it's. Right. What? Well, how long have you guys been hunting? Uh, be happy to show you around some cool spots to hunt and uh, 
be a good time to, you know, hang out at camp together and do whatever. So nice. Maybe we'll have to take you up on that. For sure. Um, how long have you guys been hunting? Together I, or or in just in general? How how long have you how long have you been hunting in general? Like wh- when did you get started hunting? Well, I had my um my uncle and my dad really got me into hunting. More my uncle, so um I probably started going out with him when I was eight nine years old or so. So I started off pretty pretty early, hunting out of uh, Brown Farm, which is now closed. Um, that's where that used to be really our stomping grounds. That's right across the uh, State Road 27. It's an, it's the STA two. Basically, now. yeah, it's an STA two. So um, yeah, I, I grew up kind of hunting. And, so. So I, I didn't actually grow up hunting. I actually uh, I grew up in Europe as a like an expatriate, um, and I, I came over here, uh, you know, in my early twenties, and I was always kind of interested in it. And I, I did a lot of fishing early on, but I didn't really have people to to do it with. You know, I I didn't really know where to start or what to do, and kept asking the few people I knew to, you know, how do I get out there and hunt? And nobody wants to share spots. You know, it's kind of uh, it, it's kind of an issue here in Florida. Like there's a, uh, you know, a lot of people don't want to share their Intel and, and the locations that they hunt what? because that's weird. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, and, um, but you know, it, it, we kind of got to help each other out a little bit at least because that's how you recruit new hunters. But, you know, I'm, I'm a persistent person. So, um, you know, when I couldn't get anybody to show me how to do it, I just sort of, started going out there and trying to figure it out. And, and really the first couple of years I was doing it, I had no clue what I was doing and trying to figure it out. And, uh, you know, eventually I started kind of figuring out where the deer were hanging out. Um, but it wasn't really until I started hanging out with Danny that I really started getting dialed in. Cause he was kind of helping me, uh, tweak my, my tactics a little bit, but yeah, I mean, I'd say I, I've probably been hunting. Like, I think this is like my fifth or sixth year. So I really haven't been at it too long. That's awesome. Well, you know what? Um, actually, that's not awesome. That's terrible. Um, I am, I, I'm now I'm unsubscribing from your YouTube channel because I've been hunting a lot longer than you, and I have not had near the success in a far different place. So, <laughs> well, you know, I think I think a big part of it is uh, I I think a lot of people uh, don't necessarily put as much time into it as as we do. And, you know, the, the success that I've had, like I said, has been just because I, I try to really pick apart what I'm doing and learn from my mistakes. You know, if I'm, if I'm trying one tactic and it doesn't work and I don't see deer, you know, I'm not going to use the excuse that, oh, well, it's South Florida. There's no deer down here. That's why I didn't see deer. It's, it's like, no, there's, there's actually, you know, despite what a lot of people say, there's actually a lot of deer in South Florida. You just, just like anywhere else, you got to figure out where they are. And once you do figure it out, uh, you know, you can actually have a really productive season, as I think we proved last season. You know, one of the things I, we, we, Chase and I have discussed um, is unique to kind of my area. Um, I, we kind of feel like is unique to a lot of Florida. And I'm curious if this holds true where you are. And that is in Florida, we don't have deer everywhere. We have pockets of deer. Does that kind of hold true down there in South Florida? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, you can you can go to a management area and spend all day scouting and not see a single sign or a track of deer. You go a hundred yards over from where you were, and that's it. It's covered in sign. Yeah. 
And that's something we've learned, you know, through the hard ways, you know, sitting a whole weekend in a spot and not seeing anything. And then you come back the following weekend, move on over, and there they are. It's like they were just out of sight. So that's where you really got to stay persistent. And I think our success really comes from our um, kind of obsessive personalities. Once we get our mind around something, it's like we obsess over it. And then we just continue, you know. Getting at getting at it until we figure it out. So, but I I think that that actually touches on uh you know something that's kind of central to our tactics and you know the, the idea that you could be sitting in one spot and and a deer could walk past you, you know within a hundred yards and you would never know is it's kind of something that you have to deal with in Florida because it's always green. You know we always have lots of plants, and so when you're hunting up north, you might have parts of the year, especially during like gun season where you know a lot of the plants are starting to kind of wither away and you can see a lot better but down here it it's always thick and nasty unless there's been a burn recently and so you really got to start thinking about the area that you're hunting as like uh you know micro habitats if you will like you could you know you really got to pick it apart and figure out the exact locations that these you could sit in one spot and not see a deer the whole season. And if you had been a hundred yards away, you could have just been slaying them. So, and that's something that we, you know, we really like to do. And I might be getting ahead of myself with the, the conversation. <laughs> no, it's okay. Here. It's okay. You're, you're doing good. Actually put a, put a pin in that. Don't go too far from that. Cause I think that's, that's one of the things we want to touch on, but I kind of want to set the stage for a lot of our listeners before we get quite to that level. Um, We've got a lot of guys from Ohio. In fact, our three biggest states are Florida, Georgia, um, and Ohio, and sometimes like New York. So for those guys, they really like hearing about Florida, a lot of our guys, because it's like this novelty place, right? You think bass fishing, you think (laughs) snook and redfish, you don't think deer. You might think hog, um, and you definitely think jorts, but you don't think, you know, deer hunting. So kind of real quick, briefly touch on what it's like south of I-70, because we kind of, kind of beat around it a little bit but what's the habitat that you're hunting like what <laughs> yeah <laughs> well it's, it's actually pretty diverse i mean you you yeah. do run into some areas if you get into some ocam uh, like prehistoric times where it's just straight up well, i guess it was underwater at prehistoric times but you know it's just totally different from anything else you've seen once you get into those old camics and then you have some areas that are high and dry where you'll just have pine flats and palmettos so it's it's kind of funny because you'll have pine flats and then maybe a hundred or two hundred yards away it'll be just a straight up swamp. Yeah, like a big. So it's I mean it's just really really diverse. There's no areas that are um, really just one kind of spot. You know what I'm saying? It's not. You won't have an area that's just all pine flats. It's not. That's not very common because you have all these little rivers and creeks that run through, and typically along those creeks you'll find cypress and just Totally yeah. different types of habitats. Even you're running to ducks. You run into wood ducks and such inside some of those creeks. And that's what we've come across, you know, just yeah. while we're scouting for deer, we're also scouting for ducks. So come you know, <laughs> so come duck season we're we're getting into those areas where we saw ducks earlier on and sure enough, now yeah. we get into it. Yeah, and, and one of the things about that too is that you know the it can actually be so diverse down here that it becomes kind of difficult to pick out where you want to hunt and where you expect there to be sign because you'll find the same kind of habitat sort of, uh, you know, in a lot of different places. So it, it, 
it can be quite challenging to figure out where exactly you want to focus your energy. You know, it's funny to me. You guys left out the part that I think uh, is is most important, and that is uh, the vast majority of the state lives south of I seventy. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, there's a lot of pressure, but um, you know, I will say, like, we we hunt through like through most of Florida, and uh, there's a lot of pressure in most public land in Florida. Yeah. Uh, but down here, it's there's a special kind of pressure because uh, down here, pretty popular. Uh, is like swamp buggies and, and things like that, um, airboats, think, yep. you know, like a lot of like that kind of hunting is pretty popular. Um, so you get, you know, uh, you definitely find a lot of sign of humans being there with their big heavy machinery. And uh, I think for a lot of people, it's really discouraging, uh, but I don't mind it at all. I honestly find it makes the hunting sometimes better. We use it a lot of their trails to yeah. our advantage. Yeah, those buggy trails are easy for us to to walk down to get to places, and and guess what? The deer think so too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they like to walk them too. So you know, you really can't let uh, all that pressure discourage you because uh, you know I think the deer are kind of used to it, and they um, they you know they they know humans are going to be around, and and they still got to do their thing. So. Uh, if they're not letting it affect their way of life, then it really shouldn't affect your way of hunting either. Right. So my last question to kind of tee this up, and, and this is kind of maybe a good segue, um, Chase, unless you have something that you want to touch on before we we dump and in, jump into the tactics. Well, does does the weather ever change down there, yeah, or is it just always hot? You got me. That's where I was It's going. always hot and wet. Wet, <laughs> but... Always a chance of rain. There's always a chance of rain, and you really got to pay attention to that rain too, because it's like uh, when it when it's gonna rain, it's gonna rain hard. There's no drizzle days. It's either you know you're almost getting blown out of your tree stand, or you're just like sweating your ass off. Wait, am I allowed to say ass? Sure. <laughs> sweating your butt off. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, it's, uh, but it's, it, yeah, it's pretty much always hot. So you just got to be ready to sweat. So what, what would be if, what would be a cold front down there? Like if you guys, okay, we've got yeah. a cold front coming in this weekend. What would that actually be? I would say an early on cold front 72. Yeah. Oh <laughs> God. If it gets 70, if it gets to 70 in archery season, it'd be a dream come true. Um, honestly, we, do, we don't really start to see the cold fronts until like gun season. And, yeah, right. and honestly, you know, a lot of times we're spending time sort of moving further North in the state around that time. Stop so, doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we, uh, you know, we, we tend to hunt a lot of archery and, and we kind of move North with archery season. So hunting South Florida, we, rarely get the opportunity to hunt in nice nice cool weather because later in the season you will get a day where it'll hit like the 50s or and 60s sometimes no you know, kidding so. but we're usually not hunting down here when that does happen gotcha yeah, yeah usually it's correct. nice and cool in the morning and later on in the year and then as the day progresses as you guys know as you guys know it'll uh definitely eat up to the 80s real quick so you got to be careful what you wear out there if you bring a bunch of you know sweater and two pairs of pants, then come uh, eleven o'clock, 
<laughs> You're ditching it all. Yeah. <laughs> Hunting in shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> we definitely do that. It's, you know, there's, there's been a few times where it's so hot that you're, you're just like, you know what? I don't need camo. <laughs> like, <laughs> up your board shorts. It's yeah. just too hot. Because, you know, that's, that's another <laughs> thing. And, and again, this kind of gets into tactics and I'll mention this and you guys can bring it up again later. But, uh, you know, another big thing about hunting in South Florida is staying in your tree stand longer than most people would, because we've found that a lot of times the deer will be walking, you know, in the middle of the day. So we try to we try to sweat it out and stay up there. Easily two o'clock, three o'clock. I've I've taken down many deer at route. All right, so I kind of want to circle back to the people. Um, I, I'm going to be honest with you guys when I say that I expected when I shot Mark messages and said, "God, the pressure down there must be terrible." Mark, like, dang near got excited about that idea. Like, he was really excited about the fact that there was a lot of people. And it seems like you guys really embrace pressure in an odd fashion. And I don't mean that, like, you guys are weird. It's just different. Um, How do you guys end up using pressure, human pressure, both deer and just non-hunting, to your advantage? Obviously, you know, the trail component of it. But maybe let's dig a a layer past that. Um, I I think that... I think it's it's not necessarily that we're like out there looking for human sign and and working off of that. I think it's more that we accept that there will be human sign and we just try to focus on the deer sign and sort of ignore the fact that there's people around. You know, obviously we're not trying to hunt in the same spots as that other people are hunting, but uh, you know, I I I really try. I think we try to focus on areas that other people wouldn't hunt. You look past easily. Yeah. Look past. <laughs> you know, and and we're not. There's. I think there's two ways to get to a place where other people wouldn't hunt, and that's either go really far into the woods, further than any man has ever gone before, um, you know, and and just go harder than they do, or you can do the exact opposite. You can stay kind of close. Because people will generally just, you know, they, they get to the woods and they're like, I got to go as far as I can. And they'll go. And a lot of people won't really go super far. So it's, it's, there's like a middle ground in between the furthest yeah. point and where the people that thought they got pretty far, but they really didn't. And then woods are you know, main trails that people overlook all the time. And I mean, we might want to just go ahead and remove that. Because <laughs> we don't want everybody knowing the secrets. No, I mean, I, I don't think it's like we're not saying go out there and sit next to a highway and, and you know, because like, I mean, let's be real, we all see deer sitting next to the highway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But I think, I think the point we're trying to make is like, don't let uh, the fact that humans have been to an area like discourage you from hunting in that area if, uh, you know, if you're seeing a lot of sign there. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead, Jace. Yeah. Well, I was just saying, you, you hear that all the time where you got a bunch of people that uh, pull up to the WMA or wherever they're going to hunt and everybody just goes in deep. And then there's one guy that decides to hunt right by the parking lot and kills the biggest buck uh, on the WMA uh, just because everybody thinks that all the deer are deep when what we get, what you guys are saying is pr- they're pretty much everywhere. You just have to just find those specific locations in those zones to be able to get on the deer say that they're just everywhere um you know i think uh you know like we were saying they're sort of pockets 
But I think, uh, and, and this is purely theoretical because I haven't really had a conversation with the deer to, to you know, confirm this, but, but I think that the deer actually kind of like to be in places where they can see people moving through an area because as long as they can see them and they're moving away, then in a way they know they're kind of safe, you know? So if they, if they're better, they can see the trail you're going to walk in on. I think they're, uh, you know, they're fine with that. I mean, you know, there's been so many times that I've been out in the woods and, you know, we stop at a spot, we found some tracks and we're like, just kind of whispering like, oh, you know, maybe we should put up a camera here. Maybe we should do this. Maybe we should do that. And then all of a sudden you'll hear a deer blowing and taking off. That's been laying in a bush, like 20, 30 yards away from you, you know? So I think that they're fine with you moving by. I think it's when you stop that that's where it's, it's problematic for them. So, uh, hunting next to a a well-traveled path, I I don't see any problem with it. And in fact, we've done pretty well doing that. It it seems like I've noticed a similar trend when it comes to Florida whitetails. And that's something that I've been wanting to pick your guys' brain on this. um, Because when I hunt certain places here in Tallahassee, I have found that there is a abundance of sign right where everybody's parking. You know, normally there's another reason for them to be there. You know, there might be, you know, a dropping acorn tree or something like that. But I have noticed that there's been a lot of sign in some very obvious places. And I had a friend of mine come down and hunt with me, and um, he'll remain nameless, but he was a little, I think, too timid to bomb off into the swamp. So he stayed up on this little ridge, hung a tree stand up, and then had a seven-point walk right down the trail that everyone else had walked past him on the trail um, and turned out that that area is an area where that those bucks kind of pop up on the trail and just walk the trail a little ways. They have to know that there's fresh sign there from humans. They have to smell them. They probably were within eyesight of them. And it just kind of perplexed me because it kind of goes counterintuitive to a lot of what the mainstream media says, which is get away from people, find, you know, find ways away from folks. But it seems like on some of these WMAs, proximity to people um, either isn't an issue or, like you said, uh, Maybe they're using that to their advantage. They're 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 hanging out where they can keep an eye on the pressure. Yeah, that's that's very true. I mean, you know, those areas that are regularly traveled by people, it's just another day. You know, now if right. you're going way back into an area and you're stinking up, um, you know, you're two or three miles in, and that deer hasn't smelled a human in in months or even a year, and then all of a sudden he smells you. So now something has changed in his habitat. So he's gonna. Go big part of you know um hunting if you're hunting in areas that there's people traffic this kind of their norm you know that's what they're used to so there's nothing different from your smell being there five minutes ago to um what they've been seeing every day sure right well it sounds like down there you can get away from people because you're talking about you can get back to maybe three miles whereas up here a lot of the WMAs that you can go hunt, there's no way, to, there's nowhere to do that. There's so many uh, roads and things that break up the, the parcels that you might have a quarter mile walk in, maybe at the furthest a lot of ways, unless you just came in from a different area. So is a lot of the management areas down there, are they just huge, big chunks down there where you can get away from people? It's like big cypress, like 
there's got to be parts of Big Cypress that a person hasn't seen in like 50 years. Yeah. You know, it's, it's huge. Um, you know, especially when you look at like the, there's like a bow only area in there that, uh, you know, I think it's like, uh, it's pretty big. <laughs> I don't know the exact dimensions of it, but it's huge, you know, and you can't take any vehicles in there or anything. So yeah. like, I guarantee there's bucks back there that don't even know what a human is, you know? Um, and even places, I mean, like Holy Land, you know, Holy Land is pretty much tiny. a Cypress. I mean, not a Cypress. Yeah. It's all sawgrass. So um, they allow four wheelers in there, but and ATVs and UTVs and such. But I mean, how far do you want to drive into sawgrass before you know you get stuck? There's nothing to winch off of, so you know you, you're kind of limited in some of these places. But if you had a, a machine that can get you far enough, you can. Big Cypress is a really good example, um, and there's a couple other WZ cover a couple miles. I mean, I walked for 4.9 miles the other day just scouting, and yeah. uh, I think we did what. 13 miles, 13 to 15 miles yeah, on our bikes the other day at another trip. WMA. So, I mean, there's, um, and that's round trip. Those numbers are all round trip, but I mean, still, that's still, you know, seven miles in one direction. Yeah. You can definitely get far from the roads here if you really want to. But like we were saying earlier, there's a lot of vehicles that can go a lot further than you can that are not allowed <laughs> right. up in those smaller parcels where you guys are hunting. And, and, you know, we hunt up there, too, so, like, we're familiar with what you're talking about, and there's still, you know, you don't have to go miles away from, from the closest road to, to get to an area where you feel like you're in total wilderness, you know, um, so, you know, it's kind of like what I was saying before, it's it's all about identifying these microhabitats that the deer key in on. It doesn't necessarily have to be far away, just you got to find the right spot that they like. Or you just find the check station go behind it and then that's a short drag (laughs) (laughs) i mean but you know we joke about it but like how many stories have you heard like like chase was saying you know how many stories have you heard some guy that just sat right behind the check station and and shot something i mean it happens all the time so oh yeah yeah there's a uh, management area uh close to my house and it's only a eight day hunt uh, but I mean, anybody, you don't need a quota permit or anything like that, but it's just eight days out of the, the season, archery only. And there are, I've heard so many stories of, cause there's a lot of where everybody has to park and then everybody kind of goes in, they can, they can walk in a ways of, uh, guys just literally killing deer right where all the trucks are parked at. Like there may, they may be 40 or 50 yards in, uh, the management area, but that's it. Uh, and my buddy last year was sitting there talking to some guys, uh, and a buck actually stepped out like right, right where they were at talking and somebody actually shot at the buck on their way out. The arrow actually went skidding past them because the dude didn't see him. But, uh, there's, there, there's just so many stories like that where you're just like, and I, I'm just like to the point now where I'm like, well, I'm just gonna go in there this next season and let everybody dive in and wait for everybody to dive in and then come daylight. I'm just yeah. going to set up right there. <laughs> 40 yards off the road and wait for one to come by because I've heard so many stories on that particular management area, people just walking in and uh, shooting something right, right, right by the gate. Right. But you, you also kind of have to wonder like how much of those situations are just dumb luck, you know, because you, you can set up real close to where, you know, your trucks are and stuff. But if the sign's not there, then, you know, I, I think you're probably, going to end up learning what most of the people learned there's no there's no deer close to the truck so i'm going to go really far 
but really they were just sitting in the wrong spot close to the truck. You know, if you're going to go out there and, and, and hunt, like you shouldn't be discouraged by, you know, where you are in relation to potential human pressure and just focus on is, is the habitat what I'm looking for? And is there deer sign here? And if there is, then it doesn't matter if you're sitting next to a major highway, you know, if the deer signs there, hunt it. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. If, if the sign's telling you to hunt there, then hunt there. <laughs> so you, you would say regardless of where that is. hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now honest, uh, obviously if you're like in a heavily pressured management area and let's say it's a parking lot that you're going to have 50 trucks in and out of there um throughout the day not just the morning and the afternoon you know throughout the day then you know maybe it might not be such a great idea might want to do that during the week um yeah and then that's it yeah i've had that happen quite a few times and you know that's very frustrating and it really puts your anger in the wrong place so now you're starting to get angry at somebody that was just traveling down the road yeah (laughs) Where, um, right. you know, that's just, you know, just bad. Uh, but know. I will also like, you know, I've had exactly that happen before. I remember uh, two seasons ago, I was sitting in a spot and I, I saw a buck heading my way. And like it, it couldn't be going anywhere except for right to where I was sitting. I was sitting on a nice pinch point. And then all of a sudden here comes this truck down the road and, you know, the deer stops and starts looking down the road. And it, it actually just it laid down uh, and it was no more than 50 yards from, from the road. And, uh, you know, the, there was actually a guy standing in the bed of the truck looking around and stuff, and he never saw this deer and it was just laying down 50 yards from the road. And, um, then it, you know, it passed by and it got back up and kind of just started wandering, but then it just turned and wandered the other way. So, you know, it can really screw you up, but at the same time I've had it happen. Um, in fact, one of the bucks that I shot last season, um, I had a guy, come through in his truck on a, a a road that like a trail that he wasn't supposed to be allowed to drive a truck on during that season. And I had a conversation with him. I called him out and said, dude, you can't be driving your truck here. And he said, no, I know the rules. I'm going to, I'm allowed to be here. And then he proceeded to, you know, drive around and kind of trash the area, like running over stuff. And half an hour later, a buck walked out and I shot it. <laughs> So the deer, the deer don't really care. You know, a lot of times I think they just kind of watch the truck go by and hide. And then as the truck goes, then they just start wandering again. So yeah, you just gotta be okay. Yeah. You gotta be okay with the fact that people might interrupt your hunt momentarily. Right. I think that's most places on public, right? <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm curious, how do you guys Okay, that in being said, so now you're not so much worried about human pressure. How do you guys go about isolating areas uh, that you want to hunt? Because obviously finding sign that says you need to hunt it is different than just finding sign. What, what are you guys looking for? So what we'll usually do, if, if we find an area that has a lot of sign, we'll drop a camera on it. And we'll do that throughout the day if we're scouting. And we'll find multiple places with sign. And then uh, we'll pretty much whichever camera has the most daily activity, that's, you know. I think we can break it down like a little bit more. I think to start out with, we you know, we really start with like looking at uh, 
you know, Google Maps or OnX, whatever app you want to use. And uh, we kind of pinpoint some locations that we feel would probably have sign, you know, some some good, you know, trail intersections, pinch points, transition areas, whatever, you know, all the sort of typical things people tell you to look for. And then we'll head out there oftentimes on our, our e hoof it out there too. And um, we'll check the area and, you know, walk a quick circle. And if we don't see sign where we expected to see sign, we're not going to go on like a random walk. You know, we're not just going to start, you know, barreling through the bushes, trying to find sign. We just pick up, move on to the next spot and keep doing that until you find a spot where you actually see sign where you're kind of expecting to see sign. And once we do, then I feel like we really start to look around more carefully and, you know, find some trail crossings and, and, and basically do what Danny was saying, you know, put some cameras out. Like, I think something that we do that a lot of people don't do is that once we once we identify an area that seems to have a lot of deer sign, uh, you know, I think a lot of hunters kind of try and claim an area. And they're like, this spot's mine. I found it. It's got good sign. Nobody else is allowed to hunt it. We try and work that area together. So we'll, you know, like we'll we'll hit each other up and say, hey, I just checked this camera. There's a ton of deer sign. There's a ton of deer moving through. Let's pick this area apart and we'll just start moving through that area, sort of split up and figure out, you know, which habitats they're using, uh, kind of taking a mental note of which trees are good to climb, um, you know, things like that. So that when the time comes, we have an idea of where we want to sit and we don't have to go wander around looking for uh, a tree to sit on. And then, you know, come hunting time, uh, we usually, if it's a new area that we've never hunted before, uh, but we, you know, we found a lot of sign, we just pick like a tall tree that's just sit up there. And usually that first, it's almost like, it's almost like scouting with it's part of the scouting trip. Yeah, It's like scouting with a bow in your hand your binoculars like a hundred yards away and you see them crossing in a certain area multiple times then you know by when that morning ends take your tree stand down and wander over there and set up closer to where you've been seeing them you know i think a lot of people get kind of stuck in this like well this tree is great i got good shot opportunities and i like where i'm at and i'm gonna stay in this tree because i saw deer so eventually they have to come to where i am but that's not necessarily true. You know, they might just keep using that area where you saw them crossing and you're never going to get your shot. So you really got to get kind of aggressive and move into where you're seeing deer and, and fresh sign. So let's, let's break that apart further. You find a spot that's got, that's got bucks on camera. How are you guys splitting it up? Are you guys like basically on either side of the tree whispering what you see on the other side? Are you saying, you know, this draw can hold a person on either side? I mean, I know it's kind of subjective, but what does that conversation look like for you guys? It all depends on the uh, size of the area. So, for example, if we're on a, um, let's say we're, we're hunting a creek and we find a, an area where the deers are crossing back and forth on that creek. So... We'll, we'll go ahead and try to find a similar area on that same, pretty much on that, if it's going to be on that creek or where they may be going. And then we'll go ahead and um, put out cameras on areas where those deers may be headed to. And that's pretty much how we're, we'll, we'll chop it up a little bit and try to figure out, okay, if you're going to hunt here in the morning, I'll be like two to 300 yards away and try to get the deer coming in off a field or something into the creek area. I think a lot of times too, what we, what we'll do is, uh, 
we'll almost like like hunt it you know we find pinch points um and especially down here in south florida you you have a lot of like flag ponds canals. Uh, you have like ponds with like strips of of like uh wooded areas in between them and so if you can find a series of ponds uh, that have these like strips of woodlands. A lot of times the deer will walk along the edges of those. If you can find a thin enough strip that you can sit on a tree in the middle, so you can basically shoot to both sides, you've basically created like a gateway. And if a deer wants to move through that area, you can hit them from where you're at. And so we'll like set up like sort of across a large area where we're covering each pinpoint with like two or three guys, you know. And so it, it really becomes that we're hunting deer together because it's not like we're each trying to kill a buck at the same time. We're all trying to kill a buck together. Um, and it's it's kind of like if that deer wants to get from to choose one of these three routes and we're going to be sitting on all three of them, you know. Okay. So, you know, what, what's, last season, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you're fine. Go ahead. Uh, I'll catch it after. I was just going to say, you know, last season, um, it was it was my turn. I was uh, I was doing, you know, most of the trigger pulling. Uh, but in previous seasons, it's you know, it's been the other way around, you know, and, uh, you know, where I, I won't necessarily shoot anything or won't shoot as much as Danny. And, you know, we really see it as a, like a team effort. If one of us shoots a deer like we we all got a deer. You know, it, it's really like a team effort. And I think the more people work together to hunt, you know, the more success they're going to have. Uh, I had a question for you guys. Uh, what what are the deer feeding on there? What What's like their main food source down there? Browse? Can, can we can we put a pin in that for just a second? I got a follow-up question to what he just said, and then we can come to that. So we stay. Okay. Okay. So you said pinch point. In Florida, we have a lot of very monoculture habitat what is a pinch point for you guys because in iowa it's two trees in a row in florida it's something totally different so um like for example there's there's plenty of areas in in florida you can hunt at that you know deers will walk in in some thick stuff you know they'll walk through thickets and they'll walk through trees and everything there's other places um like in i don't want to do any name drops but um <laughs> what's, what's that uh what's that area where you guys can edit this out where the slough is okay slough. Oh. what's that place what's that area called southwest florida okay so southwest florida <laughs> area you have, you have some, some uh it's almost like lakes they're like lakes in between pine flats yeah and there's a lot of panthers in those areas so what i had found after scouting and and hunting these areas a few times is that the deers don't really walk in the tree line or within the trees they're not walking in the pine trees and in the and the uh pine flats a lot of the deers a lot of deers there are walking in the really wide open areas so the pinch point there would be where two heads of trees come together and then you have like pretty much like sawgrass down the middle and within that sawgrass you'll have like little um cypress growing and you'll find rubs all through within the sawgrass yeah so in that that in that case you have, that would be a pinch point, where if you're talking about a pinch point in a in an oak hammock, um, it could be where you have some thick underbrush underneath the oak hammock where you, you'll see a lot of tracks back and forth through through certain points. So it's not necessarily like 
in between two ridges of a mountain kind of thing. It's not like a hard pinch point. Yeah. They can easily walk through the through the trees or through the, the dry land, but it's where you're seeing the the game trail get real thick that they're coming back and forth through. Well, and I think, uh, I, I think too, like, you know, if you're focusing on a, uh, like an oak hammock, for instance, like you were saying, that oak hammock might thin out and turn into like, you know, a couple little fingers where there's a few trees in a row and, uh, and it's no longer like a big hammock. And so, you know, the deer kind of like to stay in a shaded area. So they'll kind of, you know, stay right under that, those oaks where there's really not that many oaks left. Um, and so that can act as a pinch pointer, you know, like, like I was saying earlier, you get some ponds that have little strips of woodland in between them, or, you know, I think we should leave that out. <laughs> if, we did, if we say that, then like, now we can't between us four guys. I don't necessarily want to put that piece of information out there. I think people can figure that out on their own, you know, like they can figure out that that's a good pinch point, but I don't want to make it too easy for them. So I'm going to edit that out to where when he starts talking, it's going to be a gobbler, and then it's going to cut to to, to Mark to, yeah. to Mark going, yeah, we're not going to say that out loud. They can figure that out on their own. That's perfect. That's perfect, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, a pinch point – really, a pinch point is where you don't – like, if you get to a spot where you don't want to walk, uh, chances are a deer doesn't necessarily want to walk there either. And if there's an easier way to walk, um, then the deer are probably going to go that way. You know, uh, unless they have some reason not to. So, like, later in the season when there's, you know, starting to be more and more people out there during gun season, they may opt to choose, like... The harder trail. Like, yeah, they may walk the harder trail just to stay away. But early season, they have no reason to fear us just yet because we haven't been out there for very long. And they'll be walking the easiest, you know, trails that they can find. So, uh, you know, that's when you're really going to find those pinch points because they're trying to avoid the, the harder stuff to walk in. So you would tailor you would tailor what type of pinch points based on what point in the season you are. Early season you might hunt right over a two track, but then you know come later in the season after a lot of pressure you might you know push into a, a kind of faint trail on the palmettos if that if that's what it took. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, and you'll see like you'll see through the season too. You'll see the sign change. You know, like the you'll stop seeing as much uh, tracks like on you know, on the, whatever, the buggy trails, the easily walked trails, and they'll start using, you know, smaller trails, like, that are a little further back off off the, you know, the main trails that everybody's walking on. Um, and, you know, if they're shifting their patterns, you got to shift yours because yeah. they're figuring you out. You got to keep changing it up on them so that they can't figure out what you're doing. So to kind of back that up, um, I actually have, a, I have an area that I hunt, and I – it's it's pretty much a pinch point, and it's one of those uh, ones that I mentioned earlier. That we're gonna edit out, and <laughs> <laughs> and basically, um, I, I came back and I sat on it um, for muzzleloader, and sure enough, the the deer had had shifted. And instead of crossing there, they shifted a little further in, and the areas where I actually watched them in my binoculars crossing was through a little piece of a canal. I mean. Two pieces of land came, kind of came together, and it, there was, a, I guess, like a high point in the canal where they can cross. And sure enough, that's where the bucks were crossing. I was sitting there just out of range watching them cross um, a similar point to where I was, but just further in. Okay. Well, Chase, 
floor is yours now. Sorry, I just there, there wasn't going to be an easy way to to tie that back in if I didn't jump in then. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, so we got a lot of new guys, uh, new hunters that listen to the podcast, and I was just wondering what type of uh, food sources and things are the deer uh, on when you guys are hunting them. What are do y'all key on certain types of food sources when you go out there? Well, I mean, if I see areas that have like uh, persimmon or cocoa plum that are ripe and, you know, you, you can see if they're getting picked off the tree or even eaten off the ground, um, you know, I'll focus in on those. Or if I have an area that's loaded with um, oak trees, only problem with oak trees is that if, if they're dropping pie, um, oaks, then that's not the only tree dropping them. So... <laughs> It's kind of tough to um, focus on that kind of food yeah. source, but I've seen I've seen deers literally eat um, palmetto shards. I mean, they anything. They, they eat anything. They're just they eat it. Like, you mind if I jump in? Yeah. Well, let me finish up with. Oh, sure. I mean, it's, there's not really um, any major food source that you can hone in on. There's types, of, I guess, times of the year where they might prefer one thing over the other, but it's really difficult to say plum or persimmon tree that they're necessarily going to be coming into it i mean you may get hogs hogs are always uh, attracted to that kind of stuff yeah yeah i um i'll i'll jump in here and and i'm rather opinionated on this topic and uh and a lot of people might disagree with this but i personally believe that down here in south florida hunting food sources is uh is not the way to go um because the fact is like i was saying earlier South Florida is green all the time. There's always stuff to eat, and there's food everywhere. And a whitetail will literally eat anything. Rocks. We've all seen the video where one eats like a baby bird or yeah. something. You know, like yeah. You know, but but the thing is, like, I'll be sitting in my tree stand, and like a couple does will come through, and they're you know they're wandering around, and then you know they're kind of just looking around listening and then there's like a, a random plant in front of its face and while it's listening it just like takes a bite out of it and keeps going you know and th they'll eat really anything so i don't think that there's a i don't think there's ever like a shortage of browse for them you know sure if they come across like a a, a tree that's dropping acorns they're obviously going to take a few bites you know that's you know it's a good food source but i don't think that they're really keyed in on those food sources so I, I tend to think I tend to think that bedding is really a lot more important than uh, than food sources. Interesting. Oh, not that I was just I, I would seem to think when you when you're talking about bedding because yeah if you're talking about bedding then bedding is everywhere in Florida as well or at least in the case where I'm at they could they can pretty much bed anywhere. Is that not the case down there? Well, the the way that uh, Mark feels about the food sources, I feel about the uh, bedding. <laughs> so we have, we always have we have this conversation quite a bit on what we're what we're looking for in these cases. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've seen I've seen deer literally sit lay down in in the water. I've seen them lay down in, in like in a pond with their head sticking out, and it'll sit there for hours. Um, if you've seen my, um, if you've seen the video on YouTube of Bruiser, which was our early on Swamp and Stump, um, Bruiser, I watched him sit for like 30 minutes in water. He was about chest deep. He was he was laying down on the floor, um, in in pretty much knee deep water. And he sat there for at least 30 to 40 minutes, at least for him as far as when I noticed him. 
And then eventually he stood up, walked along a little um, sawgrass edge, and I was able to get him. But earlier on that day, actually the day before, I saw another couple bucks doing the same thing. I mean, you would have never expected to see these deer where they were. They were bedding down in the water. But, it was 90 degrees outside. <laughs> so, I think, so they were bedded in the pool is what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and I wouldn't believe it if somebody would have told me. Yeah. But, I mean, I got video of it. Them laying, laying in the water. Well, and I, I think that uh, a big part of that, too, is that bedding in South Florida, like you said, it can, it can be anywhere. So it's really hard to kind of just look at a spot and go, this has to be a good bedding area. Um, but I think that in the example that, that Danny's talking about, what they were looking the same things that they're usually looking for in bedding. Because that particular area it has a, a large population of bears and panthers. So if, uh, you know, if you're laying in the bushes, a, a panther can pretty easily sneak up on you. But if you're laying out in the water, you can see a mile and you can hear really well. I mean, if you've ever been out on a boat, you can, you know, you can hear a conversation in, in another guy's boat that's like <laughs> that's 100 yards away. Especially so, during duck season. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's a it, it's a safe place to be. And so I think in that particular case, they I think they may just be adapting to the fact that they have a lot of predators and that that might just be one of the best places for them to bed. But that place is, you know, it's it's not, it's not like always like that. You don't see that very often, and that's really one of the only places that we've seen that happen. But right, you know, when I when I think back on you know some of the bucks that I shot last season, uh, every single one of them, um, after the fact, when I you know got down and started looking around, I realized I was sitting right next to a, a bedding area, and it's kind of hard to tell that you're in a bedding area because you don't want to go stomping around in the middle of a bedding area and, and find out. But, uh, you know, if, if you think that there's a, a potential good bedding area there and you have a lot of tracks nearby, chances are it's probably a bedding area. And, um, say, that, yeah, like, say that again. If, if you're, if you're at a spot and you found like a lot of tracks, you found a lot of deer sign, and then you look out, you know, near where you're standing and you see, uh, you know, an area that has plants that are, uh, you know, a little less than chest high um, that, you know, offer them good cover to where they can lay down, find some shade. And if they hear something, they can stand up and stick their head out the top and kind of see what's going on. Uh, but then just disappear again if they duck down. That's that's the kind of habitat that they want to bed down in. So if you see habitat like that next to an area where you've seen a lot of sign, chances are that's going to be a bedding area and um usually rubs and scrapes around them yeah you'll see a lot of uh, right well you don't really see scrapes down in south florida oh, yeah. i mean yeah. you'll you'll see them but like probably when not it's like they are up here archery yeah. season it's really wet a lot of times right. so you don't see yeah. them very much um but you'll definitely see rubs lots of rubs around these bedding areas and you know i, I shot uh, a really nice eight point last season and uh in that particular case, I I saw uh, beds before I got up, like the week before when I was scouting. And so that was like the real reason that I chose to sit there because I saw a rub right next to it. There was a pretty heavily beaten trail and there was a couple beds. So I set up on that for that reason because the buck that I shot before that, after I shot it, I went down and looked around and realized that there was quite a few beds like basically right behind me that I wasn't even aware of. 
So then when I found those beds in the, you know, the next week, I was like, all right, I got to focus on this because this worked out last time. And, uh, you know, sure enough, I sat in that tree for 45 minutes. And, you know, it was the first time I'd ever hunted there, never been there before and shot this giant eight point, you know, my biggest buck ever. Not that I've shot a ton of them, but it was a nice buck, you know, so I think the bedding is really important. Right. Well, I mean, I can, I can agree with what you're saying for sure. I was more, whenever we were talking about, I was thinking about maybe specific bucks, like getting a specific buck and figuring out where he's bedding. But I definitely can agree that you can identify bedding areas where there could be a bunch Mm, of deer bedded up in those areas. That's, that's what you're talking about. And for some, in my head, I had, okay, you're targeting a specific buck in a specific right. uh, area, which seems to be a lot harder here in Florida because they can, because be, the bedding area might be huge or yeah. it could be small, but it could also be huge. Uh, some of the areas up here. I think a lot of times they're not even bedding in the same spot over and over again. You no, know? they're just no. kind of moving around. And I agree completely. Like, I think, you know, the stuff that a lot of people are doing up north where they're like trying to identify a certain buck's bed and like trying to set up. You know, as uh, John Eberhardt likes to say, like set up in their bedroom. You know, right? Good luck doing that in South Florida, John. Yeah. If you're listening, come and do it. I want to see it happen. <laughs> we, we've, we've had John on the show. Uh, we've had John on the show, Eberhardt. Uh, but it's totally a lot of it's totally different up there. Yeah. I mean, I've been up to Illinois and Kansas sure. and areas, and you're talking about small pockets of woods where those deer can bed once the crops are all down. Well, so you can kind of key in on those yeah. areas out here. No, you're talking about like 100, 200, 300 acres that look like a bedding area. Yeah, you just switch yeah. beds daily and never sleep in the same bed. No, yeah, exactly. You never catch them on camera. I've had, I've got bucks where I'll catch them on camera once and never catch them on camera again. They were just cruising through that area. Yeah. Um, well, but then I have some home bodies, but I mean, think about the what we've what we've covered though here. I mean, it it makes sense when you look at it because if we're, you know, both Danny and Mark have made the case that you can hunt deer using beds and you can't because there's too much food and it it's like one of those things where um well, maybe you guys didn't make that correlation, but we have discussed that there's an abundance of food and an abundance of bedding. When, when the fields aren't 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 uh, harvested in ag country, the deer are everywhere. You know, they they're always complaining. Oh man, they they really didn't pick the corn until late this year, and it really affected everything. It's like, well, you know, if we didn't have abundant food everywhere and abundant browse everywhere, maybe you could start to hone in on bedding. But if they can go anywhere, more or less. And get a bite. I mean, they're going to lay down wherever they want to. You know, God, I'm tired today. This looks like a great bed. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much, pretty much anywhere he's standing when he gets tired, yeah. he lay down. Yeah, and they'll feed in them beds. I mean, yeah, yeah, just I'll roll over and take a bite. Yeah. yeah, they don't have to. They'll stand up right in that spot and take some bites, and then sit right back down. So they don't yeah. have to get around and move as much. Yep. One of the one of the things I've noticed, and this is different from the type of terrain that Mark, you just described. Um, and I, I make this correlation just because a, we have some North Florida listeners and also B I want people who are listening that aren't familiar with Florida to recognize just how two different worlds we're in. I actually find the opposite for bedding late has been true lately. This spring I did a lot of scouting. I pound the ground. Uh, well, I did like a lot of Turkey scouting slash postseason buck sign scouting and I found wherever I could find a stark 
a stark line, transition line, from some type of pine tree, um, mature or oak flat, to shorter pine trees. And it didn't have to be a big difference. But the key was, if you got down on your hands and knees, if you could see back in there a little ways, on the perimeter of that transition line, there would be an abundance of scrapes and rubs. And some of them quite aggressive rubs. And I think it's the kind of the opposite of what you said, where they can stand up and look. I think a lot of those deer like to lay down. And if they can look out into the open area and see stuff coming through that underbrush, it gives them the ability to, to, to scoot out the back door. Um, right. And in Florida, you don't have that ability to see very far while laying down, except in those thick little short young pines that also you can't hang a tree, a tree stand in. I was going to say, you know, another thing that you guys have up there that uh, let's say the word elevation, I can't really, you know, but there's like ridges and stuff. Sure. Um, you know, you, you obviously don't have like hills and mountains, stuff, but you definitely have some ridges up north. Um, and that, you know, if, if even just a few feet of elevation over, uh, you know, an open area allows a buck to just lay there and not have to stand up and look around. But down here, you don't get that. So you don't. You, they don't really have those places where they can just stay put laying down and see everything. So, uh, you know, and that comes back to the, the buck laying in the pond, you know, that's a spot where he can't, he can actually see everything. Cause there's like nothing in the way. Um, but that's kind of why I was saying the places that I find get a lot of bedding are the places that are about chest high, where they can sort of stand up, stick their head up and see around and then just lay back down if they don't see or hear anything. Well, what what's a uh, what's a big buck in South Florida? Why don't you you paint the picture for all of our uh, northern listeners of <laughs> of what a uh, or an average size buck and what what a big buck would be down there? Well, a large dog, <laughs> <laughs> a big buck. We have a buddy that hunt. It was his buck <laughs> we've ever seen. <laughs> this thing weighed 176 pounds. Um, it was a ten pointer, and I mean it, it was monstrous, huge buck. I think that'd be a big buck anywhere. Um, now, an average big buck for for South Florida, you know, maybe a hundred, a hundred inch, hundred and ten inch um, eight pointer would be, you know, a, anybody would call a big buck down here. But uh, when you're pushing 130, 140, then that's that's a. Are we are we talk when you're saying big buck? Are you talking the size of the deer or the size of the rack? Yes, both. I mean, <laughs> body body weight, antlers. I think anywhere in Florida, if you shoot a deer that's a hundred inches or or more, that's that's a big buck. Um, but just to give you an idea of like size, and I think it's pretty similar to, to North Florida. The eight point that I shot was was right around a hundred inches. I didn't actually have it properly scored, but I did my own measurements, and um, it was one hundred thirty five pounds. Oh wow, that's small. Okay. Yeah, not not the so not the not, rack. That's a, that's a that's a very good deer. But like I was thinking, you were going to say north of one hundred and fifty. Yeah, no, it was it wasn't a huge deer body size. I mean, it was a little smaller than I would have expected because I shot two other bucks uh, that were, uh, you know, uh, like year and a half old, maybe. So I think one of them was a two and a half year old, and they were like one twenty. Um, okay. And then this this bigger eight point, you know, was probably a little bit older, um, and uh, yeah, still only 135 pounds. So they they really just uh, 
They're not big deer. Right. And it, and it depends on what time of the season you probably killed it too. Like I'm sure if you killed a little bit earlier season before they were rutted out and stuff like that, they weigh more. Yeah, definitely the bucks that I, uh, the big eight point that I shot, his neck was a little swollen, but it was kind of, I feel like it was kind of like after the rut was kind of coming to a close, but the other uh, two that I shot were not, their necks were pretty slender. So I think it was a little before the rut had really gotten going. Yeah. And, and then the, uh, what's funny is that the 10 pointer was actually right around the same, the same day as the eight pointer was the following day. And that deer's neck was easily what well, maybe like, 176 pounds. It was insane. And it was literally shot the same day, like a, you know, point that I shot, same day, um, you know, and, uh, you know, like six, seven hours later, like I shot mine in the morning, he shot his right at like the evening, same exact location. I guarantee those two bucks know each other very well. They've probably fought <laughs> many times, you know, and, and mine was 135 pounds and its neck was not that swollen and his was 180 pounds and super swollen. So... Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with their age and such. So, yeah, this season is going to be kind of interesting. Uh, we're doing a few things that we've never done before. Um, I, I did a gator hunt last season for the first time, and and if you've seen the video, it was, it was kind of a disaster. Uh, it was, uh, you know, first time doing it, trying to figure it out, and I, I feel pretty confident now that I've got a, a system. So this season, we're you know, we're definitely going to try and get some good uh, gator hunting videos. And uh, we're actually doing a, a big out-of-state hunt. We're heading to Kentucky uh, for a week-long hunt up there. And uh, we'll also be heading up to Scout in Kentucky. So, uh, you know, if there's uh, if you guys got listeners up there that are interested to learn how to scout, especially if something's really new, because it's going to be very new to us, yeah. um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll be posting some videos about, like, how we go about, uh, you know, doing that. Yeah, just drop us some pins in Kentucky, please. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Let's let's talk about this for a second. You guys wouldn't mention that thing that I'm going to have to bleep out for everybody, but now you want pins in Kentucky, huh? <laughs> no, we're playing. We we like to we like to do our own work. We that's really part of the fun. Um I'll also probably be getting a hunt in Michigan in uh John Eberhardt's stomping grounds, so I get to see if I can Pull it off over there. Oh man! Um, Don't let us da- us Florida boys down now. When is it? When when are the dates we can tune in for the live stream of that one? Um, well, I'm actually heading over there right around the rut, like end of October. Um, and I, you know, my uh, my girlfriend's got family. You cut out. And you I you found cut out, Mark. You said, bedding, you, bedding said, area. you said my girlfriend what? Oh, my girlfriend has family up there, and we were up there uh, in December, and I did a little bit of scouting, and I found a killer bedding area that, uh, you know, it, it looked so good there that I just, I immediately knew I had to come back to hunt it. Um, so I'm flying up just for a weekend to try and hunt that, and then uh, other than that, you know, we're we're finally joining the uh, the saddle hunting crew. Uh, this is nice. the season for us. We're we're both switching over. Danny just picked up his JX3 hybrid. Yeah. And um, I've I've actually got a DIY uh, sort of JX3 lookalike thing that I really just made because the JX3 was on back order for like a year. Um, so I'll probably be putting up a video about how I made that. It's actually pretty sweet. Um, 
and then yeah, you know, we're going to be doing some uh, some duck hunting in our new boats that we just built. So, yeah, man, I've been following along stuff on that. Coming. Yeah, there's there's lots of good stuff coming on the channel. So uh, you know, if anybody out there wants to uh, check us out, please do. We appreciate the support, and uh, you know, definitely want to thank you guys for having us on the show. It's uh, it's our first time doing a podcast. It's pretty exciting. We're uh, it's fun to to learn how these things are done. So, <laughs> well, I, I think you either you left this out because you're embarrassed to hang out with me or you just kind of left this out in general, but you're coming up to my stopping grounds uh, in December, right? Yep. Yeah. We're going to we're Oh yeah. I forgot to tell you that's officially a plan now. Okay. <laughs> okay. The one place that we used to go to instead of out of state hunts. Oh yeah. 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 So that's one of his stomping grounds too. So we're going to head up there. Um, yeah, we'll be up there. We got a couple other quotas that are a little further North than, uh, than our, our southern stomping ground. So, you know, maybe we'll be able to meet up with you guys and, uh, you know, talk a little more hunting. Who knows? Maybe that follow-up podcast can be uh, sitting around a campfire. Hey, there's, man, Mark, I tell you idea. what, I like the way you think, Bubba. Yeah, that sounds like a great <laughs> idea to me. So. Oh, man, I tell you what, we'll record that one while we gut out a couple of Boone and Crockett bucks that we shot on public land up in North, uh, North Florida. <laughs> That sounds like a plan to me. Cover <laughs> you you drop me pins and I'll shoot the bucks. Sounds go. good. <laughs> we haven't got one up there yet. We've been just just out of reach. We've yeah. seen them. Oh yeah, they're we're just we've had them close. I'm gonna but... have to edit this part out if you guys keep going. <laughs> Listen, there are too many South Florida boys that think this is the land of milk and honey up here as it is. You guys keep building oh, it up, man. This is gonna be terrible. And easy up there, that's for sure. Hey, but let, let's just let's just be clear here that even though we've had a couple, maybe you guys should be coming down here. I mean, now that we've got an invite, I think next year we're gonna kick our season off uh, on the Fourth of July alongside you guys. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Bring some waiters. Yeah, <laughs> bring out your duck ladies. My Columbia yeah. fishing br- uh, britches. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, say before I let you go, where can everybody find everything Swamp and Stomp? YouTube.com slash Swamp N Stomp. N is in the letter N. Right on, man. Awesome. Guys, thank you for coming on. Appreciate you. Hang on one second while we close this out. We want to talk to you afterwards. But, guys, do us a favor. Chase and Tails Nation, show them some love. Go check out their YouTube channel. If you're from the state of Florida, they produce a, a lot of real rel, uh, relevant content. It's a good quality content. And uh, they're, they're pretty honest and transparent about everything, which I admire in YouTube videos because there's a lot of people out there that try and paint things out to be something they're not, and they don't do that. So go subscribe, like, hit that little bell notification so you get everything that they have to offer throughout the year. And until next time, most importantly, go enjoy the great outdoors.